0: An email list will be the biggest asset that you own as an entrepreneur. Mine is the number one way that I drive profits into my business. And I am teaching you exactly what to do in order to grow and serve yours. My signature course on email list building, the list to launch lab is now open for brand new students right now. Learn more at Jenna slash email. Now, if you are someone asking questions like what do I say and when and how do I grow an email list even if I don't have a website and what if I'm no good at the tech stuff? Well, I've heard questions just like these for years and in fact, I used to ask them myself, but I've got the answers and my email list has the receipts to prove it. Inside of the List to Launch Lab, you will get fluff free content that you can take on the go and learn in whatever setting works best for you swipe files and email templates so you're never stuck on what to say next, plug and play designed guide so that you can get your freebie done in no time, plus the strategies that give me thousands of new subscribers every single week. We also added a mini mastermind style bonus module featuring five next level lessons from some of the industry's best list builders, all included when you join. Let me hold your hand through the process and teach you everything you need to know so that you can finally get the email list building results and the business growth that you've been searching for. Join me inside at com forward slash email before the doors close at midnight on May 22nd. That's com forward slash email. I can't wait to see you inside. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode 112. Today, I'm hanging out with my friend, Emma, and we are talking all about being a girl boss in a man's world, what it looks like to live non-traditional lives and to practice non-traditional roles in marriage, in parenting, and in business. And what I love about her story is just owning her strength and figuring out what works for her relationship. Oh boy, can I relate to this? one. Let's dive on in. This is such a great show. And Emma is pretty much the sweetest voice I've heard in a long time. You're listening to the Goal Digger podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop style business podcast for creative girl bosses.
1: So you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work and tackle your goals along
0: the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Hey, Gold Diggers, it is Jenna Kutcher, and today I am here with the incredible Emma Natter. She's an antique buying and styling rock star. Her work is absolutely incredible, and I cannot wait to pick her brain on both creative endeavors and her business endeavors. She's based out of New York City, where she is running her styling services, writing creatively, directing photo shoots, and helping other artists and creative business owners tell their visual and written stories well, so that they can have the artistic, and financial freedom of their dreams. So this week, I am so thrilled because Emma and I are discussing a topic that we have both experienced, which is how to navigate being a very ambitious girl in a totally man's business world. So welcome to the show, Emma. Thank you, Jenna. Such a nice intro. It's so good to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to chat with you today. So let's kick things off and I would just love to hear about how you got started with your styling services and then kind of how your business has evolved since you began.
1: Yes, I would love to talk a little bit about that. I'm just so happy to be here. I am an avid gold digger listener. So I'm just so glad to be here with all the other gold diggers. The crazy thing about starting my styling business and everything like that is that I never wanted to have my own business. It sounded like the scariest, stupidest thing to do because you always hear about small businesses failing. And so I was like, that was never, ever in a plan for me, I actually didn't even plan to have a career, like I wanted to have a lot of good impact. But the way that I saw it was by having the kind of impact that I saw my mom and both my grandmas having, and that, you know, they're the most amazing hosts, they are just like my mom was home with all of us kids all growing up. And my dad was the main breadwinner. And so that's how I always thought that my impact would be. And I always knew I was an ambitious person. But I always thought like, okay, but I can be ambitious outside of a career, like I can have an impact for good on my community and in my family. And that is the way that I had seen so many women have an impact on me. And so anyway, it was just crazy because then all these different things happen. I really focused on education. I ended up getting an English degree and then a creative writing degree. And then I met my husband and he is an elementary school teacher. And so like, I was like, I'm so glad that you're following your passions, but I wasn't like, That excited about the salary, (laughs) to Mm -hmm. be honest. And I was like, okay, so we're gonna be a writer and a school teacher and we're going to starve. So this is not like the ideal for me, which I feel like sounds sort of shallow, but I was like, I wanna be able to give generously. I feel like my parents have been able to, and to my kids, and to my community, and to other people. And I just felt like that wasn't the way for me. And so then it was crazy, Jenna, because like during the last year of my creative writing master's program, I was like, I don't know if I'm a writer. And my sister and I sat down and we did like a Myers-Briggs thing Yep. and when we did it like I had done it before. And I was like, I don't want to listen to that. I want to be an artist anyway. And so I, I finished it and I was like scanning on the like career ideas. I was like scanning on there and I was like, there is no artist, there is no writer, there is no musician. And this is what I've been spending my whole life doing. So what Mm -hmm. am I doing? Like, if these aren't the things that I am really, that, that are my natural strengths, what am I doing? (laughs) I don't know if you've ever had experiences like that
0: before. 110%. (laughs) I was really good at taking those tests and like putting out the answers that I knew would give me the solutions that (laughs) I wanted. So yes, I 100% relate. (laughs) Yeah. And I was
1: so jealous of my sister because on hers, it was like, artist, poet, musician. And I was just like, poet isn't even a career. Like it's a calling. Like you don't just decide like, I want to be a poet when you grow up. It's just sort of like, bam, you're a poet, you know? And so I was like, this is great. This is not working for me. And so like on mine, I'm an ENTJ. And so I'm looking on there and I'm like, okay, CEO, lawyer, judge, like none of these are (laughs) anything close to what I have been thinking of. But then I thought like, okay, so if I'm a writer, it probably makes sense if I want to be a lawyer, if that's on there. And if I'm going to be, at that, And so my last year of my master's program, I applied for law school and, and I was all ready to do it. And I was like, yep, this is the right change for me. This is going to be better for my family and all these things. And but the crazy thing is that I was already pregnant. And so I was like pregnant, taking the LSAT. And I was like pregnant, visiting a couple of law schools. And I was just like, yeah, whatever, like, I'm seven months pregnant, like I'm doing this. And it was just very confusing. And everybody was really confused of what I was doing because they all thought I was crazy. <laughs> and so I was just like, okay, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I feel like it's the right thing for me to do. And so anyway, I got into law school. And then after I did, and I was almost due, I was like, you know what? I just, I think maybe some of these people were right. I need to defer for a year. And then three months after my son was born, he smiled at me, and I was like, "This is over. I am done. Not... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> done. <laughs> I'm like, not spending like his childhood studying law, and then coming home and studying more. Like that is not my life. Like for selfish reasons, I'm not missing his childhood. <laughs> and so anyway, so the natural thing for me was like, okay, well then maybe I can just bring like a supplement income." I had always done like flowers for some of my friends and family's weddings, like all through college. And so I was like, I can be a floral designer. This is great. Like I'll just let people know. And then they'll like start hiring me. And I bought some online courses because I was like, if I'm going to do business, like I want to learn how to actually do business, you know? And so I started to do that. And I learned about the entrepreneur world. And the crazy thing is like, I didn't make any money. I spent so much money on online courses and I spent mm-hmm. so much time on collaborations and I tried so hard to make my Instagram feed pretty and like no one was hiring me. It was crazy.
0: Absolutely, I've <laughs> met many Emmas at this stage of the game. Trust me. I know. <laughs> and
1: it's just like, it was such a surprise because I think I didn't realize how um, competitive the wedding market is. And, um, I hate when people say like, oh, it's so oversaturated because I really think that people can find, like, I didn't know anybody off of Instagram who are floral designers in my area, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I was like, I feel like there is a space, but I'm just not doing things right. And while all this was going on, my husband had gotten a job as a teacher in Harlem. And so we actually picked up where we had been living in Utah and we moved all the way across the country for this job. And he felt really good about it. We felt really good about it. We felt so good about moving to New York that we actually bought an apartment to come here. And the job did not work out. And it was so terrible. Like Michael was like lost like 20 pounds in two months, didn't feel like he was getting the support he needed, didn't work out. And so he ended up leaving that school. And so then we're like here with a mortgage, with no job. And I felt like my entire world was just like crumbling.
0: (laughs) My gosh.
1: And that's when he was like, okay, well, I could do this or I could start doing, you know, I I could do this program and we could change careers because he was like, I don't even want to teach anymore. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like, what are we supposed to do? And so then everything that we talked about with his career would need like a lot of investment for education. And so I was like, what if instead, since you're not sure what you want to do and I do know what I want to do, like, what if we? What if we invested the money that we were going to invest in you and invest in my business instead? And it was a really big, that was a huge shift to be like, let's take the focus off of you for your career and let's put it on me. Cause that had never, I mean, that hadn't been the plan since law school and law school was sort of like, why did I do that? Or why did I decide I wanted to do that? And so it was this big thing, biggest investment that we had made for my business. And we hired a personal business coach. And it like completely changed everything. And that's where everything started with the styling. Cause I was like, you know, I don't think I'm a florist. I don't see flowers the ways that like the florists that I really admire the way that they would see it. And it was sort of like this beautiful palette and they could like create something amazing. I was like, I just don't see flowers that way. I want a little bit more. I want a little bit more control when I see a wedding. Like I don't want to just do the flowers. I want to be in charge of everything. So I was like, let's do wedding planning and styling. And so my business coach encouraged me to find a product that I could to create or make a product that I could sell. And so I started creating styling surfaces because like, as I started styling more things and figuring out how to do flat lays and stuff like that, like one of the most frustrating things is having the right kind of background. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure people ask you questions about all the time. I love all of the flat lays that you do, Jenna.
0: Oh, I mean, yes, people, that is like, people are obsessed with it. I'm like, I just use like a white foam board from <laughs> Michael's craft store. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I know.
1: But they look so clean and nice. I loved starting to do that because I felt like, you know, you could get all of these cool different textures. And I felt like that was, you know, like all of it made sense to me. And I feel like that's something that's so important on a business journey, you know, where some all of a sudden you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Like I can do that. and so I started to do that and things were going really started going really well with selling those surfaces people were really loving them and then I realized how much I loved doing that and I loved figuring out a really great brand and so I kind of got obsessed with branding and styling and doing all these like I probably did like almost two dozen collaborations over the last year or something with all these different professionals and really building up my portfolio and as I got all that experience I've started having people you know when you start doing something people start asking you know how do you do that how do you do this and I was like you know what? I think mm-hmm. I really do like I really do like the idea of teaching because I did that a lot in my master's program too and so I was like I feel like uh from my writing background I can see I can kind of analyze a story and see what the most important parts are what the most important characters are kind of you know what the conflict is and how to resolve it and how to how all those things kind of work with marketing and telling your own story. And so I started helping some creatives who were asking me those questions. And anyway, I really fell in love with that, with really helping them to do that. So I think that's longer than you wanted for my story, but that's hey. kind of
0: that's kind no. of my life. So that was perfect. And I mean how incredible to change trajectories so many times and to kind of I always say like pivot. Like we are constantly pivoting to figure out like, what is our calling and what should we be pursuing? And I'm passionate about all these things, but like, how does that actually move into profits? And I think that so many people face that. And it's like, you are faced with like decisions that can totally change the trajectory of your life, of your family, of your relationships, of your home. And so I, that is amazing. And I mean, just what kind of a crazy experience, what a crazy ride, girl. (laughs) Oh, I know.
1: Like when I hear you tell your story and you're like, Yeah. I made sure that I booked enough weddings so that I could like quit my job. I was like, (laughs) I like, I wish we would have done like, that sounds way smarter, (laughs) but it was like, like I was literally talking to my business coach and I was like, we have nothing. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, what's going to happen? And she was like, well, this is going to be like a really great story for you to tell someday. And I was like, you're crazy. (laughs) Like, I don't think this is going to work. You know?
0: That's amazing.
1: (laughs) I think whatever position you're at, where you feel that it's time to pivot, it's like, it takes so much courage and faith, no matter how great or small the risk feels like to somebody else to you, it always feels scary.
0: now for over 60% off. Do not miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts and it expires soon. That's activations.com forward slash gold digger. Oh, absolutely. I think too, like when you feel this like tug on your heart, it's so easy to ignore it for a while. And then suddenly it just shows up and it's like, it's now or never. And that's when it just gets really real. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So what about like creative entrepreneurship captivates you? Because you went from thinking, you know, I'm going to be a lawyer, which is very similar to me thinking like, I'm going to be a CEO in a corner office wearing a power suit Mm -hmm. to a totally different lifestyle. So what was it that kind of drew you in or that excited you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think originally it was, you know, that I could have flexible time with my family and to have financial freedom those originally were the two things, but I also feel like just being able to choose what I want to do. Cause I feel like, like the family that I grew up in education was so important. And I took like music lessons all growing up. And I was like in orchestra and choir. And then, you know, I took art classes and my mom is like an artist, like a hobby type artist, but really, really good. We grew up for a couple of years, um, we lived in Germany, and so we'd travel all the time, and my parents would take us to all these art museums, and my mom, I think it was mostly because she didn't want a, all of her kids like ruining her t- experience at the museum because we were all so bored, <laughs> but she, like, she'd take us each aside and be like, like when I was starting to get bored, she'd take me around the shoulder and be like, Emma, look at the way that that painter painted those pearls do you see mm-hmm. the way that it's reflecting like that? And that it looks like, you know, all of these things and all of a sudden I was like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. You know? And so like, that mm-hmm. was always instilled in me growing up. And I feel like I could never find the right merge between that and what I feel inside of me as like a, a really driven kind of person. And so this really melded both of those together because I feel like, I never felt like in my education or experiences that I met anybody who was able to do both of those things, or that they Mm -hmm. showed me how you can meld both of those things together. And it was also, I also felt like kind of what we wanted to talk about today, being in sort of a man's world is I feel like growing up just in groups or even in my community or whatever, I would feel like when I had an opinion about something, because I'm an opinionated person, I feel like to be a stylist, you have to be really opinionated. And so I would, I often felt like my opinions were overlooked compared to my male peers. And I was always like, well, I guess that's not where I'm supposed to fit in, you know? And so anyway, so what I, what I really love about creative entrepreneurship is that I feel like I can set the rules, you know? Mm -hmm. And like I read this article by Reese Witherspoon about being an ambitious woman. Have you read that article that's been going around? No,
0: but I need it.
1: You should definitely read it. it was, I can't remember where it was published, but it was so good. And she was talking about how she did some sort of project with Mindy Kaling. And Reese Witherspoon was saying she was sitting next to Mindy. And all of a sudden she goes, oh, my gosh, Mindy, do you ever get sick of writing every role that you've been in? Because every single part <laughs> that she's ever played, she's had to write the part for it. And Mindy, look, I'm talking about them like I'm on a first name basis. But
0: <laughs> I love this. Keep going. I'm with you.
1: But Mindy looked back at Reese and was like, oh, I have never played a part that I didn't write myself. And that was just so powerful to me to be thinking about, you know, what she's been able to accomplish. And it's because she had to create it. And I feel like as a creative entrepreneur, that's what you're able to do is if if nobody's handed the part to you or you've never even had a chance to audition, you get to create it yourself. And I think that's what I I I like the very most about it.
0: It's so powerful. And I think kind of like you said, You know, when you're growing up, every, you know, when somebody asks you, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, we only know what our traditional career paths. And especially because if you think about in like the education system, the books and the resources that our teachers are using are often outdated. And so when you look at that, like you look at our parents generation, and so many of them, they have one job, they do it for like 3040 years, and then they retire. And so that's instilled within us. And so it almost feels rebellious when we start to discover like there's something more out there and like I am capable to pursue that, but it feels mm-hmm. rebellious. It feels scary. It feels so non-traditional that sometimes I think we question it more than we should. Mm-hmm. And so I can relate to your, your journey in so many ways.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, and like my dad was a, and my dad is a doctor. And so when you know, when I first started talking more about this and I don't know, everybody in my family, my family is the most supportive family possible, but they're all still like a little bit nervous, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, my dad just sort of wishes, or I don't think he wishes, but he's like, yeah, like just go to med school. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Take the traditional trajectory. You're going to be fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like this is where you can find stability. And so I think it can, anyway, it can be really hard when you don't have people around you who have taken similar kinds of leaps of faith.
0: Absolutely. I think my family, because they are very traditional. And when I first made the leap, it was like terrifying for everyone. And Mm -hmm. now that it's worked, it's like my parents are like the ones like encouraging all of us to do the craziest things because they're (laughs) like, look, it's possible. And I think that, you know, sometimes it just takes that first step to like open up the whole staircase, but it's not easy at all. So my next question for you is this and I want to hear especially because of what you do I feel like when you understand branding, and both of us do, it can be so hard to define what your personal brand is because you see all of the options, you see all of the ideas, you know how it should work, but summing up yourself from within can be so hard. So I want to know, like, if you could describe what your work style is in three words, what would you say? It's
1: hard. And I feel like it's always shifting, you know? Like, I feel like the things that were important to me six months ago are a little bit different now. And I'm always trying to move towards as authentic to myself as possible. But wow. I think if I had to choose three words, I would say honest, humble, and graceful. And humble, not in a way that, like, I am so humble, <laughs> <You> said, like, <laughs> the opposite, but, like, in a way that's approachable and not exclusive, Those are things that I feel really passionate about not being exclusive and definitely being approachable. So
0: I love that. I love that so much. And I think it's so funny, too, because like you said... I think a lot of times when people brand their businesses or, you know, work with somebody like you who helps them tell their story in a way, they think like, this is it. This is the brand. But our brands evolve just as we evolve as human beings. And we have to be open to that and not resist change. Because if we're not in alignment with where we're at, our brands aren't going to communicate the way that they should be. And so I love that you said that, you know, it kind of changes with the seasons and with where you're at in your life. I think that's awesome.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like a little bit ago, I was working on this collaborative photo shoot and it was really fun. And the model that we were working with was so, so nice and like the sweetest person. And then she got on set and she started doing like super pouty faces and, you know, all these things, like she was just doing her job. So like, I don't blame her at all, but I I just had this moment where I was looking at her and I was like. If I saw that girl from across the room, like, I don't think I'd want to be friends with her. You know, Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to have a brand where people feel like they can't, like, they wouldn't want to be friends with that person, because maybe they're competition, or they just want to be jealous of her. So many of the businesses that I work with, one of their biggest things is that they want to start with the perfect brand. And I feel like Mm -hmm. it's only experiences like that, that teach you how you want to pivot and shift. And so that was definitely one for mine where I was like, uh, uh-uh, that girl is like when she's making a face like that, like that's not something that I want to communicate with the world that that's what I want to like raise up and show people and make people want to be part of. Cause that's not what I want to be part of. Absolutely.
0: And I think it's cool when you can see how your opinions actually start coming into fruition. Because I think it's so easy when you're starting out to be so wishy-washy because you're not quite sure. And so then when you actually have an opinion, you're like, yes, I'm understanding it so much better, (laughs) which I think is like, oh, like the angels are singing, we are doing this. So I want to talk to you today about what it is like being a businesswoman. And you know navigating that in relationships and kind of you know owning the roles and your gifts and your skill set. So what do you think about you like makes you this natural businesswoman?
1: Yeah, I think there's so many I've met so many business women who have such different strengths and gifts. And so when I'm thinking about this question it's a little bit hard for me to answer. But I feel like the main thing that I've always known is that I've always been obsessed with, like, I always have a project going. And I don't like a lot of my friends and a lot of people in my family, like they don't just always have continuous projects, you know, (laughs) like, even when I wasn't, even for that year, when my son was born, like during his naps and everything, I was working on this book. And so it's like, I've always had projects. So that's something that I knew. And I also knew, you know, I'm not, I'm also not a perfectionist. And I don't think that that means that you can't be a businesswoman if you are a perfectionist. But I think that is something you have to learn in your business, that you can't always be putting out things that are perfect all the time. And I think you do that. I love seeing you do that, Jenna, because I feel like you're just, you know, that's so much about what you talk about is showing up as you are. But then I feel like one of the biggest things is that I just feel like this crazy determination to do it. And, you know, that motivation for me comes for my son comes for providing for my family. But I feel like the biggest thing is that like, this feeling, I don't know if it's sometimes it feels like it's at the back of my throat, and it's really, like stubborn. And sometimes it's sort of at this pit of my stomach, and it's really deep and rooted. But it's just this feeling that I feel every day that I know I can do this,
0: you know, Absolutely. and the- <laughs> Like, oh yeah, you're not crazy like I'm with you. no I am with you 110% and I I'm just curious like cuz you just sound so convicted in it in a beautiful way but have you always embraced this or has it been like hard for you to kind of come to terms with the fact that maybe this is what you're called to do and maybe that vision of you know serving your community or raising your family looks a little bit different than what you had imagined you know in years past
1: Yeah I think that it's just I think for so long, I fell in love with things. So I fell in love with writing stories and I fell in love with drawing and I fell in love with these different things, but I never felt confident that I could do it. But I completely think that in order to start a business, because, you know, every minute that you're working, it's not like you're just sitting at a desk and you're wasting you get to like waste a little bit of time because your boss isn't doing anything. It's like, it is your life, (laughs) you know? So you have to be completely aligned with something that you really know that you can do. And so I feel like every shift has brought me closer to that. You know, with flowers, I was just like, you know, this isn't my medium, but I know that there's something else that I can do. And just, you know, every change that I make, then I decide, you know, I know I can do this. I don't know if I really felt that that much until I decided to to take the leap and and do my business. I don't know if I had been given the opportunity or if I took the chance before, and so it was hard for me to embrace because you know all of these things. And <laughs> not that I put so much stock by the Myers Briggs, but you know, there's so many things in my personality description where it's like you know uh, good at leadership and all these things, and I'm like, I've never been a leader before, so I've never even had the chance to grow those skills. So if I'm good at that. I've never even had the chance to do that, you know? And so now that I feel like I've given myself a chance and had all the support that I could possibly hope for, from my husband and feeling like, yes, i I know I can do this. And just constantly aligning with that. It's just like, I feel like it's a process. I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah. I feel like having a business has been able to help me embrace more than anything else.
0: What is so cool too is about this role is kind of like you said, like you haven't had opportunities to explore maybe what your strengths are. So sometimes when life like forces you into that role, you just have to step up and do it. And I think that that is where sometimes we learn our best lessons and we really are tapped into our intuition the most is because it's like fight or flight mode. Like, are we going to do this? Are we going to make it happen? Or is this just never going to be something we go after? And so... I want to, you know, I'm curious because Drew and I have navigated this as well Is like, what has it looked like, especially when your husband was going through this season when his new job wasn't working out. And now all of a sudden you guys are like kind of tagging in and out of the ring and saying like, I'm going to make a go for this. Let's see where this takes me. Like, how did that affect your relationship? What was that season of life kind of like as you guys were trading positions and, you know, how are you continually navigating it as your business changes and grows?
1: Yeah, it's been, it's been one of the hardest, but also one of the coolest things we've ever done. And I'm sure you and Drew feel the same way. Yes. <laughs> but I think the crazy thing is that both of us, I keep saying crazy, it's really not that crazy. The thing <laughs> is, is that <laughs> both of us grew up in communities where it was very much like, the father is the main provider, and the mother is the main nurturer.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I don't know if anybody said this outright, they very well could have. And I think some people did, but plenty of people didn't. But I felt like if I wanted to work and to have a career, that meant that I wasn't going to be a good mom. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I felt like that so much. And one of the biggest things that helped me was reading Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In. I don't know if you've read that.
0: No, I need to.
1: Okay. It's amazing. And like, I balled more in that than like some of my favorite fiction books where like characters die <laughs> because i was just like this is so true just like all of these things that women feel pressure that you know there's sort of this spoken or unspoken thing that it's like if you work that means that you are sacrificing being a good mom and i was like well why would i ever do that like i would never do that to my kids but then when we got to the point where michael and i you know i was staying at home for a year and he was working for a year after we had Our kid And I just felt depressed. I felt like I'm not even doing that great of a job at this full time caretaking and home managing thing. And Michael was like, I don't like the pressure of being the total breadwinner. I don't, I don't like that pressure all the time. And I don't even know if I'm really that ambitious and interested in having like such a career like I want to take care of the kids. And I was like, you can't take that away from me. And so there was always this this hard tension between us and this opportunity, even though, you know, to be honest, when he quit his job, it was really hard for me. And, you know, I hadn't been that excited to move to New York City. I love it now so much, but it's far away from a lot of my family. And I was like, I don't want to live in a tiny apartment. And so when that happened and it was like, well, we moved here, but we also have to stay because we bought an apartment that was hard for me to get over that. And I think I held some resentment towards him for quite a while. And it wasn't till like a little bit of therapy that I was able to be like, no, to kind of get over that. So definitely therapy. (laughs) But, but also the amazing thing is that I feel like, you know, when that happened, when Michael quit his job, and we were facing this crisis mode, I knew so clearly, like, this is a crossroads, either this will drive us apart, or this will bring us together. And I was so determined that it would be something that would bring us together. And it completely has when when Michael decided to, like, when we decided to let me kind of take the driver's seat and to put all of the focus on what my goals were and my ambitions, he was like, Okay, well, I'm going to get a part time job that will allow you to work all morning until after Arthur's finished with his nap, and then I'll go to work during the afternoon and the evening so that I can like that was that was his idea to be like, I'm going to give you all this time that you need to do to work so that you can just go, go, go and build this. And like, I never expected that. I was like, you need to go get a full time job and just like start making money. And he was like, No, I'm going to get a part time job. And you are going to work so hard. And I was like, Yes, this is so awesome. (laughs) And it wouldn't have been possible without it because, you know, when you have a kid, you have to be (laughs) there all the time. But anyway, just so many different things like that. And, but we've always, you know, had to have so much communication. I think you've talked about this before too. And I feel like so many people do is that when you're an entrepreneur, the ideas are just always coming. And so Mm -hmm. we have to like put, put a time limit on how long I can talk about an idea or we have to say like no, <laughs> no talking about work from now till the end of the night. <laughs> you know, different things like that. But like as we've started to kind of take on these new roles and own them, it has made us both so much happier. And the crazy thing is that we we talked about a couple of weeks ago is like we're walking around in Manhattan after we had dinner one night and all of a sudden, I was like, you know, what is weird is that I feel more like a nurturer now than I ever did when I was full time caretaking. And he said, I feel like I'm a better provider than I ever was as a as a breadwinner.
0: Oh my gosh. It was just it that was, like makes me want to cry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was a really amazing breakthrough that that the way that we define what it means to be one of those roles, we don't have to do it the way that it feels like we do sometimes.
0: Absolutely. I think too, what is so powerful is it's like you can be a nurturer through providing and vice versa. Like you can provide Mm -hmm. through nurturing and, What an amazing thing. And I think what's so cool is, you know, your vision for your life, like you're still fulfilling that and then some. And so, you know, when you were picturing being the, you know, the house or the homemaker or whatever people say that is, you know, if that's not in your skill set, you're not going to be happy or fulfilled doing that. And so Mm -hmm. I just think, wow, like how cool, what do you think, you know? what would you say was a turning point in the sense of you guys finding your groove and like, really figuring out like, how is this going to work in our lives in terms of providing and you know, being parents and also pursuing passions? Like, how did you guys kind of navigate finding a balance in that? Or have you found one, I guess?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of the things we're talking about is that it's always a It's always a changing thing. And, you know, we're hoping to have another kid in the next little while. And it's something like we would have already had another kid by now, probably, if things worked out well. But with the business, it's like I just couldn't foresee a time that that could happen yet. So, you know, we're always trying to figure out that kind of thing. And I think things are always going to change as our kids get older, we have more kids and that kind of thing. But what has been really good for both of us is that we're always just checking in with each other and trying to really play off of each other's strengths. So like, you know, when I, if I were full-time caretaking right now and in charge of the house, like we would literally have pizza like every night I like to cook, but I'm like, that is not my priority right now. But it's like right now, like Michael is like, he like keeps the house clean He's like doing the laundry. He does the grocery shopping and like makes the meals. And I'm just like, this is the most amazing thing in the entire world. <laughs> and, <then> he... <laughs> and the thing that is so amazing is that he's also like, I love making this a nice home for us. I love having this clean house where it's a good place for our family to be. I love creating an atmosphere where it feels clean, healthy, peaceful, that smells good. That's all these things. And I'm like, I love that, too. But I am no interest in them, like, making that like that, like, I want to work on my projects, you know. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I think a lot of it has been trusting each other, too. When it's like, sometimes, Michael, I think part of, you know, being ambitious and and opinionated means that I have tendencies to think that, you know, my opinions are really, really good. And that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so you know, sometimes that that's meant that places where I think I have a lot of really great ideas, I need to trust Michael, and where he has really good ideas. And it means that he needs to trust me, you know, the moment when I was like, you know, I think I want to sell styling boards. And he was like, is anybody even gonna buy that? And I was like, I don't know, I guess we'll see, you know, Mm -hmm. and him having to trust me in moments like that. And to say, like, okay, where you think we need to do the next investment, like, we can do that, you know, so I think, so much about just being able to trust each other. And we always talk about what our next day's schedule is going to be like every night, because you know, we'll figure that out and we have to set boundaries with each other. Like, if it were up to me, like every hour or something, I'd like come out and play with Arthur for a couple minutes. But if I only play with him for a couple minutes, then he gets really upset when I leave. And then Michael's like, great, you just like left a crying (laughs) kid for me when he was like doing completely fine before, you know, so like, he's like, you can't just like, come out and play with it, you know, just setting boundaries like that. And just really trusting each other.
0: I love that. I think it's so important to like you said, like establishing those roles and then just kind of owning them. And I think, you know, a lot of times I'll tease because Drew is totally OCD. He, you know, he I have not vacuumed our house ever. He is like the man who cooks, he cleans, he does all of those, you know, non-traditional roles that our society tells us are non-traditional. And it's so cool because it's like, I couldn't do what I wanted to do without him supporting in those ways. And even right now, like he's hanging out with the dogs so that they're quiet so that I can record. And while it might not look like a traditional job in the sense of going to an office from nine to five, he is working all day so that I can work all day and it's It's kind of like that tag team mentality of like, you go, I go, you go, I go in terms of what you're pursuing. And I think it's so beautiful when you can find people that are at least pursuing that. It's not perfect. It's not in tandem. It's not always seamless. But when you can find couples that are really working on creating that experience in their lives where no one job is more important because if they both weren't happening, then nothing would be moving.
1: Yes. Yes, I completely agree. And I think it's sometimes I'm just like, I feel really blessed and lucky to have found somebody who has such opposite strengths from me so that we can support each other this way. Because I can't, like, I think of some of the other guys that I dated before I dated my husband. And, you know, they were really similar to me. And that's what drew us together. And we were both really ambitious. And I'm like, gosh, I don't know what would have happened if we would have ended up together, because I probably would have just been miserable trying to support him and not been able to do my own things. So
0: absolutely. And Drew has like an ability to be content. And I'm not a very content person, not (laughs) in the sense that I'm not happy. But I'm always like, there's more to be doing. There's more I can do. There's more ideas, there's more pursuits. And I think that it's so awesome to be with somebody who is very, very content, because it kind of just brings you back home. kind of pulls you back in when your brain starts to wander or when you are like Mm -hmm. driven towards something that yes it might be worth pursuing but how about we just chill for a little bit you know I think it's just (laughs) this like powerful juxtaposition that I think too a lot of times we grow into and it's funny when you say that like you know if you look at other people you dated because I think about that too. And even when we were married, we were so young and we did the Myers-Briggs test. And I think what had happened is we both answered thinking of the other person. And so we had the same exact answers, the same exact response, which is hilarious because now that we've kind of grown into who we are and grown together as a partnership, like it's amazing to see how very different we are. And while we're still like the same in so many ways, I think that it's more about our differences that provide this like complimentary lifestyle that allows us to pursue those big passions. Do you agree?
1: Yes, absolutely. And I love how you talk about, you know, growing into yourself. And I feel like that's so much about what this journey is about.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So if you could give one piece of advice to anyone that is walking the like confusing, inspiring road of becoming a girl boss or pivoting or kind of stepping into that new role, maybe one that they didn't envision, what would you say to them?
1: I think I would say that I think everyone has that feeling or that voice, however you want to say it, inside of them that says, I know I can do this. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to, I would say to listen to that voice. And I think it takes time to align what you're doing with that. Like, like at first I thought my path was with flowers, but it wasn't. And I had to find what my path was. But I think once we have that feeling inside of us and we can recognize that and we can recognize like, yeah, there's nothing that anybody else can tell me. Like, I know I can do this. Then once you find that to listen to that, and to follow it, and to surround yourself with people who believe in it. I have so many. It's surprising because a couple of the people that I hang out with most these days, I wasn't that great of friends with them for a long time. But seriously, because when I told them about the things in my business, and they were so excited and passionate and so encouraging, that it makes me just want to be with them all the time. And not that we're talking Mm. about business all the time, but just the fact that they think that it's really cool that they think that they want to encourage me to be around that kind of energy is surprisingly affects how I feel because there's definitely other friends who are sort of like I don't really get what you're doing I sort of just wish you would just get a real job and like good for you though you know what I mean (laughs) like it's such a difference and so yeah I, I would say that to find that feeling, follow it, and then surround yourself with the people who believe in it,
0: too. Absolutely. And I think just the power of energy around you and what kind of energy you're letting into your life, like, that can totally change your trajectory and the way that you feel like you can accomplish something. And so I love that. Because I notice that too, in friendships and relationships that the naysayers, like you just slowly have to let them go. And it doesn't have to be a dramatic, <laughs> awful ending. But you kind of have to really choose carefully what kind of energy Energy you let into your life, because I think our energy is limited every day and we can only spend it on certain things. And so you want to surround yourself with the people who kind of elevate you. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. We get to hang out this next year because Emma is in the mastermind and I'm just Yay. so excited to have you. I feel like our souls are aligned in a way that is just unexplainable. And yes. I'm just so excited to help continue refining that vision and to just give you that clarity and to see where this is going. So where can everybody find you, stalk you, comment on everything, tell everyone what your favorite yeah. takeaway from this episode was. Where can they do that?
1: Well, you can definitely find me on Instagram. I'm at Emma underscore Natter. And but I've also put together uh, an exclusive freebie for gold digger listeners that I'm really excited about. (laughs) And so what it is, is that I've put together some of the questions that we ask ourselves that are holding ourselves back, you know, the kinds of questions that like, why isn't anyone wanting to work with me? Why aren't people asking me to collaborate? Why is no one commenting? You know, Mm -hmm. sorts of things like that that happen. And so I put together this freebie to replace those kinds of questions that allow us to take action, feel like we're in control and really be in control of what our path is and what we're doing. So amazing. Yeah. (laughs) So the link for
0: that is bit.ly slash questions that create. Awesome, guys. We'll link to it in the show notes, too, at Gold Digger Podcast. And I think that a lot of times those limiting beliefs are the things that are really holding us back. And so why don't we flip the script with the help of Emma and grab hold of that so that you can kind of change those dialogues and questions in your head. So thank you so much for hanging out, for sharing your story and your heart. And I cannot wait to hug it out with you super soon.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Jenna. It has been so good to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. You gold digging dream chaser, you.